Hi. Welcome to Gender Games. I'm Paulus. And this is a podcast about video games and queer digital media. I'll be talking to game designers and scholars about things like character creators and sex toys and headcanon. This episode, I spoke with Bo Ruberg, an assistant professor of digital games and interactive media at UC Irvine. They've written numerous books on queer game studies, on queer gamers, and their new book, Sex Dolls at Sea, Imagined Histories of Sexual Technologies, is out on Duke University Press now. Okay, here's the interview. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Check. Perfect. Before I forget, um, could you do the the thing where you say your name, pronouns, and like yeah, maybe like where we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I am Dr. Bo Ruberg. I use they them pronouns, and we are sitting in a hallway in the Moscone Center in San Francisco at the Game Developers Conference. It's very tall ceilinged. The walls are very fuzzy. I like the sensory detail. I think the listeners will <laughs> bring it to life. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, are there any other um, things on the top of your research brain or things that you're really enjoying mentally masticating? Yeah, I always have a million things happening at once. Um, yeah, so I've been working on this um, queer post-apocalypses project. Um, I've been working on this other project that like, I don't have a good elevator pitch for, but it involves things like um, how Nintendogs is really a game about cruising, and um, which totally is, and looking at queer glitches and kind of all of these moments of um, things that kind of break in a queer way in games. Um, and then I have this funny little side project I'm digging through archives, trying to find the history of using communication technologies for sex in like things we wouldn't expect. So um, there are a bunch of uh, archives of carrier pigeon messages and I'm like desperately scouring the planet for like sexting by carrier pigeon. Uh, so I've been in touch with, there's an archive in New Zealand, there's an archive on Catalina, um, and I've been in touch with all the archivists and I'm just gradually being like, so what I'm looking for <laughs> is actually people sending each other sexy messages by pigeon. So we'll see where that goes. It's nice to always have a little side project going. The history of, of like internet-based sex work is also super interesting. Like, um, you know, we kind of know what that looks like today, but like thinking about what it looks like in earlier technologies is, is super interesting to me too. Does the new book hmm. have such a focus, or is it a little a little bit more general? Yeah, it's not. So the new book is about sex tech and sexual technologies, and kind of retelling the history of contemporary sexual technologies. Um, it's not explicitly games, but definitely there are things that fall in there that are games, like a lot of the things, you know, we just heard a talk all about sex and games. Um, so it's kind of any technology that people, that either um, involves sex or people use to have sex with each other. Um, and yeah, no, that book began as this like funny little side project. Um, and then I kind of fell into a hole of archival research for a few years and it became its whole own book. And what was the title again? Yeah, the title is Sex Dolls at Sea, um, Imagined Histories of Sexual Technologies. Um, 
and it's because there's a, an origin story that gets told a lot um, in this kind of contemporary moment of sex tech that says that the very first sexual technology was sex dolls made by European sailors on long voyages. Um, and so the idea is that they made this very first sex doll out of kind of cloth and leather to keep themselves sexually satisfied on these long journeys. Um, so the project started by trying to figure out whether that was true. Um, and it sort of proceeds from there. And does that origin point, like, does that kind of resound in how the industry has developed? Yeah, no, that's, that's kind of the um, bigger idea of the project is to understand, like, why is this the origin story that keeps getting told? So, you know, we're in the mo this moment where, like, sex tech is really growing. We're seeing more and more of it. Um, and people have been writing these, like, kind of popular histories, giving talks, or they say, this is, you know, this isn't just new. This isn't, like, seedy. It has this long history, and it goes back to these, these dolls, right? Um, and so part of my, part of what I do in that book is try and say, like, okay, if this is the history we tell, what is it doing for us in the present moment? It's making the history of sex tech about men, about straight men, right? There's this kind of, like, homophobic disavowal of, like, well, men on sailing ships couldn't possibly have slept with each other. Nope. A lot of these texts are very explicitly like, well, they couldn't. <laughs> well, and it would have been so horrible, the idea of turning to each other is like, is the language that gets used. Um, so it's like very straight, but also homophobic. Um, it's very colonialist. The idea of like these European men on these long voyages is really about colonialism. Um, so yeah, so the project is kind of about like tearing that version of history apart in order to tell a history that's much more about like um, femme folks and queer folks. Um, sex workers are actually a big part of the actual history of sex tech and they get written out of that history. Um, a history of colonialism that has to do with like the exploitation of, of colonized people. So it's sort of um, breaking down all the problems with the story we normally tell to show the things that we often don't want to tell. Do you find in I don't know how much you've talked in, in public about this book, um, but even in the talk that we just saw, um, the the question that was asked kind of about like, I don't know, like how do you prepare people to talk about this? I guess yeah. my question is like, have you received that kind of like energy where you feel like you have to justify the mm. subject or? Yeah, I think I don't know yet because the, so the book comes out in June mm -hmm. um, and it's March right now. Um, so I haven't given a lot of talks about it yet, mm -hmm. but that's going to be the interesting thing is the Q&A to see what people say because you always learn about a project in the Q&A and then you can kind of adapt and like be like, probably you're wondering blah, and then you put it into the main talk. Um, but I, I've given one talk on it so far and I got questions I did not expect. They were like, well... Don't you think that, like, sex toys are, you know, they're not real people. So when people use sex toys, it's going to make them violent and um, abusive to people because it's training them to have sex with things that aren't real human beings. And I was just kind of like, I was not prepared to try and, like, you know, th there's a complicated answer to that. Like, I do not agree with that. But I had, had not mentally prepared to have to, like, walk you through all of those things. Um, so I, I think I will, it'll be interesting to see if people 
have reactions I didn't expect, and if they don't see it as legitimate, too. That'll definitely be something to watch out for. What was the um, impromptu answer that you... <laughs> I think I tried to give an answer that was, like... I feel like I blacked out slightly. <laughs> um, that was, like, yeah, you know, like, some people are on one side of this debate that sex toys and especially sex dolls are... Um, misogynist by nature and then other people are on a side of the debate that um you know this shouldn't be um looked down on it shouldn't be judged that that has complicated gender politics um but you know ultimately i'm not really on either of those sides i have no problem with people using any kind of toy um my critique is of the like narratives we tell around them and the kind of cultural cultural imaginaries around them and the person was like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's not the question i asked you <laughs> It, you. it was a little intense, yeah. And luckily the person who was hosting kind of stepped in and was like, that's not really the question we're asking here. <laughs> but I, I have to imagine that, you know, those are things those are things that are on people's minds. So I have to figure out how to what to do with them. Part of working on this project about the history of sex dolls was looking a lot about like um contemporary research on sex robots and the like um, creation not just of technologies for pleasure or technologies for like mediating sex between people, but these visions, a lot of which do come out of like HCI, of um, creating almost always like gynoid figures, like women, people, things that are meant to look like cis women, um, and people just like like salivating over the idea that the AI is going to get good enough that they can make themselves you know, women who will satisfy their straight pleasures. And on the one hand, there is a kind of like intimacy with the machine that I do find interesting, right? Like that to me is a kind of queer intimacy. It's something that we don't talk about a lot of the like relationship, you know, not necessarily to something that we see as super high tech or even super realistic, but like with our games, with our like, the introduction of PCs into like domestic spaces was a very intimate moment of like suddenly you could like sneak down into your basement and access porn, right? That like, so I feel, I feel torn because I think that the people that are really pushing for that would also say like, oh yeah, we want sex with the machine. We don't want sex through the machine. We want sex with it. But it's a super, um, super straight, super like cis masculine space. So it's interesting to think about what does it mean to like explore intimacy with the machine, but to do it from a different perspective instead. Because it could be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even as much as the it feels like it can't sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like this is what sex dolls are, and then I only have that conception without thinking too much about it. Yeah, but they could be they could be something very different. They could be something much queerer. They could be something much stranger. Be, yeah, they could be tentacle monsters as we yeah. saw in the game. Uh, I forget what that the name is. Consentical is that game. Consentical. Yeah. Um, they don't have to be human in the same way that yeah. the voices don't have to be human, and yet they are. They're made that way. Yeah. And they could be lo-fi. I find right. some of um, working with AI a little bit in making the script for this, mm-hmm. I find the the smallest, the least trained models to give them the strangest material, mm. and you can read so much more into it because mm-hmm. as we kind of try to approach kind of convincingness, yeah. I think it's it's like a diminishing returns. 
Yeah, well, I mean, but that's been like in what has become AI, like across history, this idea of like realism and replicating the human has always been at the center of that. And I think it's interesting, like you're saying, to think about what if you, what if that's not what you're interested in? Like in terms of, of voice and speech, in terms of physical representation, in terms of like emotional, there's so much work on like NPCs in games and like how to make them emotionally believable. Um, and it's like, emotionally believable, like who and for what end? And like, I have so many questions, but like if we, if we aren't interested in realism, like if realism isn't part of our like erotics, I just feel like there's so much else you could do. Um, do you have a game that's giving you joy at the moment? It's always such a hard question. It's not for... like, yeah, it's not your favorite game. That's an impossible right. question. Oh no, it's actually just because like for game studies folks, um, some of the joy gets sucked out of like playing because it's for work. Um, <laughs> I've been doing, so I'm working on this new book that's about queer post-apocalypses in games. Um, so I've been replaying some of the stuff in that book. So like, um, Hotful Boyfriend, Sayonara Wild Hearts, um, these things that are like goofy, but also intimate um, and like in some ways joyful um, and like more subtle in their queerness, but also like apocalyptic, yeah, mm. stuff like that. Um, some fun, I mean, not exactly fun, but some like indie games I really respect, like Natalie Lawhead's Everything is Gonna Be Okay, which I love. I always teach um, Electric Zine Maker, which is a tool that that they produce, I always use in classes, um, which I really love. There's something about desktop pets. Yes. It's just... I love the aesthetic. So good. In terms of folks to talk to or like other work to look at, so Kara Stone, who is now at... Oh, I know the answer to where she is, but was previously a PhD student at UC Santa Cruz um, and is a, a game designer and has a bunch of cool stuff. So um, one of her older projects was about um, sexting with an AI. Um, see that? <laughs> um, in, a, in an explicitly critical way. So it's like, it sets itself up as if like you're sexting with a person and then it turns out it's an AI and then it turns out that the AI, AI doesn't want the same things you want and kind of like resists and has its own sexual desires. Um, so it's about like challenging the idea that sex, like the tech is, that's made for sex will be what you want it to be as opposed to it having its own things that it wants. Um, and then Kara uh, has other stuff too, like um, Ritual of the Moon, which came out more recently, which is about like, kind of like your like love with being a witch who's in love with the moon, but do you destroy it? Like, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, I would totally check out Kara Stone's work and um, just potentially reach out to Kara in general. Yeah, yeah, but Thanks for talking. I appreciate getting to hear what's on your mind. That's always far more interesting to me than what's on my mind. So. <laughs> cool. Now let me just back here. Yeah. Choo choo. Yeah, it was recording. Thank you for listening to Gendered Games. You can find more information about Bully Bird at their website, ourglassleak.com.
This podcast was started with support from the Beverly Sears Graduate Student Grant Fund at CU Boulder. Music by Paulus Van Warren and Son Jasmine. Reduction and editing by Paulus. Please subscribe to the podcast for new episodes coming soon. Ish.